Welcome to the Men of Valor program. We have a special guest joining Greg and me today. Uh, Josh Moon from the Faithful and True staff is joining us today. And uh, Greg came up with a tremendous uh, uh, idea for a theme. Uh, Greg, why don't you tell our listeners what we're going to do today? Well, one of the things that we talked about for the month of January is to talk about this idea of legacy. And um, as we were discussing it, we begin to recognize that legacy is part of what we inherit, and legacy is also um, an aspect of what we will leave behind. And so as we were discussing that, we begin to realize that to fully understand what we inherited or the legacy that we received, it is important for us to um, understand and tell and engage our own story and the story of our ancestors, our family, and just how their choices, their experiences have shaped and formed us. And so as I considered that, it made sense to me to look specifically at the scripture and the role that story plays in the Old Testament. And I couldn't think of a better guest. Um, We've asked Josh Moon to be with us. He has a PhD in Old Testament And if there's anyone who understands the power of story in Scripture, it would be an Old Testament scholar. And so today we're just going to be talking about what can we learn from the Old Testament and apply that to our lives as we understand specifically this issue of legacy and our story and understanding what we've inherited. So Josh, we're really glad that you are with us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Um, I want to just ask and begin with what drew you to the Old Testament? What, of all the things that you could study, what, what was it about that that intrigued you? Well, there's a story in that. When I was in seminary, my first year of seminary, I was driving in early every morning because my wife worked at the seminary. And so we'd go in, sit in the traffic in St. Louis, and do Greek flashcards or Hebrew flashcards on our way in. And when we got there, she had to start work, and I didn't have class for a couple of hours, so I would sit in the library. And this was back in the day before Wi-Fi was absolutely everywhere, so you would actually read when you were in a library. And I sat there and had to do a paper in the prophets, and I started to read the prophets. Started with Isaiah and just would read all the way through the prophets, then start over again and go all the way through because I didn't know them at all. It's a very neglected part of the Bible it was for me, certainly. And... There was a morning, I can still remember the chair I was sitting in, exactly where it is in that library. And I realized in reading Jeremiah's, in the opening sermon of Jeremiah, it's chapters 3 and 4 especially, and it just pierced me. It was preaching that I needed to hear. I'd always thought of the Old Testament as this strange behemoth, and it is kind of... And I was sitting in that chair holding a lot of shame. I really was. I had my own story my own shame, my own sexual struggles. And I was sitting in that and expecting some people think of the prophets as entirely condemning. And I realized after reading through and reading through and reading through and finally getting what was going on, that there was hope for me. And in that moment, I fell in love with the prophets, with Jeremiah, and really devoted the rest of my time at seminary, PhD work, and on to study of the Old Testament. I I think it's fascinating that the way that we know each other is through story. And so um, you introduced us to an aspect of who you are by telling that story. And that is such a foundational principle. We know ourselves and we know others through the story. Um, 
when I was in sem- seminary, I was introduced to this idea of narrative theology. And basically, you know, the premise of narrative theology is we know God through the stories of God. And we are transformed when our story intersects with God's story. And so it makes perfect sense that in those moments where we hear from the Scripture the story of God and we bring our story to it, that is when we can be um, transformed. So what specifically was the message of hope that you heard? Because as you identified, many of us see the Old Testament as, you know, we refer to the wrathful God and we see this anger and maybe even God is more like this sledgehammer that's coming after us to destroy us. And yet there is such a beautiful nuance in the Old Testament that is always about invitation and hope. What was the the invitation that you heard and what was the hope that you experienced? Right. It was in the sermon in Jeremiah 3 and the Lord is pleading with his people. And that's what sunk in was God pleading with his people. Don't go that way. That way is death. That way you will find death. And I knew that. I knew that from my own experience of sin and what sin had meant. And there's a line right there in chapter 3 where the Lord looks at his people, and this was the image in my head, the Lord turning and looking at his people, taking a big breath after this, what we call it Jeremiah, Mm -hmm. and saying, have I been a wilderness to my people? Mm -hmm. Why do you say we are free, we will come to you no more? And that was the line to just grab my heart. No, he's not been a wilderness, Mm -hmm. anything but. And this that I've been pursuing or trying to get out of, really, that's the wilderness. Mm. And so that's what grabbed me was the Lord's pleading with his people. I will not let you go toward death without my trying to pull you back. Mm -hmm. Well, as you studied the the Old Testament, what, what do you see as the importance of understanding story and specifically the story of the children of Israel, what what were some of the the themes and the messages that we get from the Old Testament about story? Yeah, story is right at the very heartbeat of the entirety of the Old Testament, of the, the whole of the Bible, really. And especially you find it in what is the constitution, it's an easy way mm-hmm. to think about it, of the nationhood of Israel, which is the book of Deuteronomy. It's written something like a national constitution for a people. And in that, you have a book where there's all kinds of laws and all these kinds of things, and it's very easy to gloss over. But once you get into the spirit of it, you start to notice just how important story is. And one illustration, just one out of a lot of them, right near the end of Deuteronomy, you have, uh, it's, just about to wind down the second of the three main speeches of Moses. And you have this law at the very close of it about bringing a tithe as an offering to the Lord. As soon as you get into the land, you're supposed to get the first fruits of the first harvest once you're finally there. And you're to bring it to wherever the Lord sets up his tent, where he decides to hang out. And you're to bring it to the priest there. And you are to say... My father was a wandering Aramean, and the Lord, we went down to Egypt, and the Lord brought us out from there because they treated us harshly. And so the first thing you do is to tell a story, Mm -hmm. tell where you stand in this story. That's the legacy. I don't come here as just me popping out of nowhere. I come here as a part of a story, and a particular story. And, you know, the wandering Aramean, they debate, is that... Abraham, is that Jacob? Either one. 
the story of Jacob, the story of Abraham is not a beautiful story, Mm -hmm. not in itself. It's not a pretty story of heroes, which is what you told in the ancient world. Mm -hmm. You told stories of heroes and, and that's not the way that they did it in Israel. Absolutely. Well, and one of the things that draws you into the Old Testament are the stories and um, specifically the the humanity of the stories that that there there's the fullness of the truth that they don't try to present it in such a way that glamorizes or minimizes the chaos and the pain and even the 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 chaotic choices that people made it it's the fullness of the truth and in that that is where the hope you know that is where we find the hope if it was just a glamorized story of how amazing these people were and how great their choices were, almost creating a myth around the patriarchs of the Old Testament, you miss out then on the beauty and the faithfulness of God. It, it's, you know, it's both. It's what they experienced, how they lived, and in all of that chaos, the faithfulness of God. That's right. That's right. And Abraham is a perfect illustration of it. He stands at the forefront. He's the great figure before Moses. And he is not a good guy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he's the father of the faithful who sometimes shows faith and very often doesn't. Mm-hmm. And yet he gets called the father of the faithful, which again, it's fitting. Mm-hmm. That's my kind of father is right. the, the one who sometimes shows faith and sometimes deeply immoral and just plain old lack of faith leading into sin. Mm-hmm. Well, and the more honest we are about our own story, the more transparent that we can be, then the more space there is for God to work and for people to hear the hope that we have because of who God has been in our lives. Um, one of the, the parts of the Old Testament that I am fascinated by are, is lamentations, the laments. And I was introduced to this idea in school and seminary that the formula of the lament is about 80% of the lament is about how people were disappointed in God or that God was a disappointment or God didn't work in the way that they were hoping. And yet the last 20% is a declaration of the fact that they will trust God. It's, It's that phrase, and yet I will trust you. And the reality is we can't get to the last 20% unless we're willing and have the courage to wrestle with the first 80%. And it's in our own story where we have been disappointed with God, where God didn't work in the way that we were desiring or wanting. If we're w- willing to embrace that, then we can get to the, and yet, God, I will trust you. That's right. And I, I would actually push back just a little bit, Greg, and say, actually, there are a couple of laments where you don't even get to that last 20%. Mm, right. That doesn't mean that they're unfaithful. Uh, complaint is a different category than lament. Mm -hmm. Lament is a different thing than complaining. A lament is itself, uh, Nick Walterstorff, a theologian at Yale, a philosopher theologian, talks about every lament is a love song because there's something that Mm -hmm. you love and you're longing for, and that's why you lament. And these laments, so Psalms 88 and 89, they go together as an individual lament and a corporate lament, they don't resolve. Right. Psalm 88 ends, darkness is my closest companion. <laughs> it's, that's the end of it. Right. And Psalm 89, it, it goes through and it lists all the ways in which God's promise to watch over and to keep Israel and her king have failed. Mm-hmm. And they don't see it. And then it ends mm-hmm. because that's what they saw. But that's 
the love song in it, which is faith, the Old Testament word for faith is love, that's the same with dynamic, the love there is, Lord, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. But the very fact of the lament is itself an expression of faith, an expression of hope, an expression of love built into a lament. And we need those. Mm -hmm. That's our stories. That's so much of our stories. And I wonder how many of our listeners can identify with that season, that reality, that experience of darkness is my closest friend. We, we all know what it is to be in that place of despair and believe and maybe even in that moment experiencing that God has left us and abandoned us. I am wowed as I'm listening to the two of you at how relevant all of this is mm-hmm. to our community. Mm-hmm. You know, the men that we are involved in, in trying to counsel and direct and encourage, you know, you're talking about all these wonderful elements of the Old Testament, and I'm just sitting here taking it all in going, I now see why you chose Josh Mm -hmm. and this conversation. This is powerful stuff. You know, one of the things that we hear in the the field that we are in is um, someone will say, well, you know, why should I deal with the past? Why should I acknowledge the past? Almost let the past be the past and, and kind of walk away from it. So what what would you say, Josh, to um, someone from the perspective of the Scripture and the invitation that we do here in the Old Testament to tell our story, what, what's an invitation or encouragement that you could give someone who simply wants to ignore or deny or avoid the past? Right. I would say there is no room for grace if we don't tell our stories. Mm. This is the space in which grace enters. And if you want some exegetical technical grounds for it, uh, rather than just me declaring it, uh, you go back to something like, uh, well, the text Deuteronomy 26 that I Mm -hmm. mentioned earlier. Uh, This opens up with my father as a wandering Aramean and going all these places. And we went down to Egypt and that's, we cried to the Lord and the Lord called us out. Mm. I need that story in order to be able to tell where the grace or where the redemption happens. And this is part of actually what it means to honor our fathers Mm -hmm. and our mothers. So this command, I I hear this often when we start talking about, well, let's talk about what life was like for you growing up. Mm -hmm. And I hear the response, well, you've probably heard this a hundred times. Oh, my dad was great. My dad was great. And then you start asking, well, yeah, he was never around. Well, he, he drank a whole lot. Yeah, he was physically abusive. He was, and you're sitting there going, what, what do we mean when we say our, my father is great? But I don't want to speak ill of him because I'm supposed to honor my mm-hmm. father. Absolutely, we are to honor our fathers and honor our mothers. And the way that was actually done in Israel, if you think about Abraham, what did it mean to honor Abraham? Well, you tell the whole story, mm-hmm. which included Abraham's lack of faith and so pawning off his wife twice to a pharaoh and then to a warlord in Canaan to save his own skin. Mm-hmm. That was how they honored, because God still was faithful to Abraham. And you can't make that declaration if you don't first speak honestly about what is true and what the legacy is that you're living into mm-hmm. and living out of. Yeah, when one of the scriptures that we talk about here at the workshop is the invitation to honor our father and mother um, so that you may live long in the land the Lord God is giving you. And one of the things that I often say is to me, that's one of the, the passages, one of the scriptures that is 
most misused because a lot of times when we hear that being taught, it's as if it's being used to perpetuate or encourage people to continue to keep the family secrets. Mm -hmm. Um, That um, Mm -hmm. to honor means that we don't tell the fullness of the truth or we only focus on those things that we believe are presentable and acceptable. And yet, as you're saying, in the context of the Old Testament, to honor our mother and our father is to tell the fullness of the story. um, It's not the truth if it's not the fullness of the truth. And even painful truth is honoring. And because ultimately the story isn't the story about an individual, the story is the story about how God has been present and active no matter what the circumstances may be. I think sometimes the mistake that we make is in telling our story, we don't look at the greater context and asking the question, um, how has God been active or in what ways maybe has God been active in my life in the midst of the pain and the chaos? That's right. And I think there are ways of telling our stories and our family secrets that do bring dishonor to Mm -hmm. our parents. Yes. If I'm going to blame my parents for my choices, that I chose a path towards sexual addiction, well, that's dishonoring my father and my mother. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to tell the story of my own experiences so that I can live out faithfully, so that I can give grace to my parents where they need it, again, my parents need grace too. Mm -hmm. I do for my children. I need to be able to tell the whole story because that's the space where grace lives is Mm -hmm. in the story and the true story. We don't need false grace. We need true grace. And that requires a true story where it fits. Mm -hmm. And so for so many people, um, when we tell our story, it's an attempt to gather the facts. And so we want to create a, a list of the facts of the things that experienced. And as we read the Old Testament and we listen to the children of Israel tell their story over and over again, it is so much more than the facts. Um, there is a, a nuance to the story where we see choices that people make and the, the things that they were drawn towards and the things that they were hoping for. And again, in the context of all of that, we see God's activity, um, even engaging people in unique ways for um, the divine and redemptive purposes. That's right. And I would also add, you know, it's not only kind of the realia, the real things of a story that matter in the scriptures. You also have the ways in which I experience those things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that doesn't fully add up. The exile as an event was immensely important and traumatic. That's my field of the, in the prophets. We talk about and think about the exile a lot. Mm. And it wasn't just the thing of the exile. It was the ways in which this was experienced that shaped the prophets, that shaped Ezekiel and his weird way of speaking, that shaped the laments, shaped the Psalter, shaped the whole, actually the whole uh, canon of the Hebrew Bible is shaped by the way in which it was experienced. Mm. So sometimes I talk to people and it's, I need just to tell you the cold facts. No, you also need to tell me the way that you experienced Mm -hmm. it, because that shapes us. The way we experience stories. For, for those that, that might not fully be aware of what you're referring to, what, what exactly is the exile? So the exile is when Babylon came down, so the, the final exile. They came down from the north, 
and they wiped Jerusalem off the map. They just wiped them off the map, destroyed the temple, destroyed the walls. The city didn't exist for a gen- multiple generations, really, mm-hmm. and turned it into a place of ruins. Mm-hmm. And with that, so much of the hope of Israel disappeared. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what's interesting is, again, I'm thinking of our stories and um, the people who may be listening, many of us have experienced where it feels like an invader has come in and destroyed everything and basically wiped us off the map and left everything in ruins. And so it, it's so powerful to be reminded that even in the midst of significant destruction, there can still be hope. And I think that that is one of the messages of the Old Testament is even when it feels like everything has been destroyed, even when it seems as if we've been significantly abandoned, we can know that there is hope, not because of our circumstances, but because of the activity and the love of God. Um, again, if, if we were not told about the destruction, if we were not told through the stories the, the, the significant impact that that had, then thousands of years later, we wouldn't be able to identify with what it means to see that we've lost everything. And even in that, for there to be hope. And I know in working with men for the last 10 years, one of the things that is desperately needed is a sense of hope in the midst of significant destruction. You've been listening to Dr. Greg Miller and Dr. Josh Moon. And uh, we'd like to thank Josh for joining us uh, today on the Men of Valor podcast. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host, and we hope that today's show has been for you uh, a a beneficial and meaningful experience. Uh, We look forward to having Josh on future shows with us. Uh, I think that you are uh, a great guest to have on the show, and we really appreciate um, your your background and your eloquence in uh, in explaining to us uh, all that 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 you are so knowledgeable about. Uh, we hope that this coming week for you is going to be a week that's filled with many blessings and with great vision. <laughs>